And he spake these words, as he spake these words, many believed on him. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free, he said. That's important there. And then a few pages over, John 17, 17. Jesus is fixing to go to the cross. At this point, he's praying for his disciples. And so he says this in his prayer, John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify them. If you want to know how or where sanctification comes from, it comes through the truth. Through the word of the Lord. He said, thy word is truth. So Jesus said, the truth shall make you free. And then he said, thy word is truth. And then lastly, one more verse from the book of Colossians, chapter 1, verse number 9. Talking about levels of truth here tonight. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. That you might be filled, he said, with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. The Lord bless you. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. And so, as I've already said, I'm talking about levels of truth here. And so, let me just begin here by saying that that truth is objective. It is not subject. It's not subjective. It's not subject to my opinion. It's not subjected to your opinion. What I believe or what you believe is not where truth comes from. It comes from the word of the Lord. It's not our truth as a church and their truth as another church. Truth is truth. All right? And the Bible is the standard for truth. No one has the prerogative. Nobody has the power. Nobody has the, the right to try to establish truth or try to change truth. Truth is already fixed. Truth is already established. It was established by God. It was established in heaven. So none of us can, can make up truth. We can't tweak it. We can't change it. We can't make it fit or change something to, and call it truth. It's already settled. It's been settled in heaven. So we would say truth did not come from man. Truth came from God. Amen? Truth came from God. It came down from God. You say, well, wait a minute. Didn't men write the Bible? Yes, men wrote the Bible. But they wrote the Bible as God moved on them. 2 Peter 1.21 says, Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so many times when you read in the Old Testament, You'll read verses like this. It'll say something like, Thus saith the Lord, the word of the Lord that came to this person. And over 3,800 times there are verses in the Bible where it says, God spoke, or thus saith the word, or God said this. 3,800 times when those writers wrote in the Old Testament, they were, they were saying that it's the word of God. Over 300 times it happens in the New Testament. This is the word of God. God spoke this. God said this. So let me just say tonight, truth does not fluctuate with time. 
philosophies change, worldviews change, even science changes. Be careful of science. Science changes constantly. And don't buy into the lie of everything floating around today. Science changes. But the Word of God is truth. It does not fluctuate. It doesn't change. In fact, Jesus made this statement in the book of Luke 21 and 33. Jesus made this statement to those that were listening to Him. Luke 21, 33, He said, as soon as I get over there to it. He said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So here's my point here. If you believe in Jesus, then you believe that this book is objective truth. You believe this is the truth. Sometimes people say, well, me and Jesus, we've got this thing. I've got a relationship. I follow Jesus, but I'm not so sure about everything in that, in that Bible. You ever heard anybody say something like that? I, I, I'm a follower of Jesus, but all that stuff in the, word, the Bible, I, I'm just not so sure about whether or not I believe that. But if you believe in Jesus, you believe in this book. Because Jesus believed in this book. A person cannot be a follower of Jesus Christ and not believe the Bible. Because Jesus was a, a, he taught that this was the word of God. Jesus said this in Luke 16, 17, just a few pages back from where we just were. Luke chapter 16 and verse 17. If you don't have your Bible with you, it's on the screen, you can look at it there. But this is, this is what he said, it is easier for heaven and earth to pass than one tittle of the law or one dot of the law to be void or to fail. It's easier. That's what Jesus said. I'm a follower of Jesus. This is what Jesus said about the Bible, about the Word of God. He consistently taught that I've come to fulfill the law. Jesus said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I didn't come to get rid of the Word. I've come to fulfill the law. Matthew 5, 17, a very common verse it's quoted often. Jesus said that. He said, I think not that I've come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill that. And when you read the, what Jesus said about himself, when you read what he said about the word, it leaves without question that Jesus believed the words of the, the prophets and the words of this book. In Luke 18.31, Luke 18.31, Look what it says he did. He took unto him the twelve and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. All things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. Jesus believed in the words of the apostle or the prophets. He believed in the words of Moses. He believed in the words of David. In Matthew 26 and 24, he said this. Matthew 26 and 24. The Son of Man goeth as it is written of him. He goeth, in other words, he goes about, he does as it is written of him. And then in verse 54 of that same chapter, verse 54 of Matthew 26 how then shall the scriptures be fulfilled that thus it must be? 
Jesus' life fulfilled everything that was written about him in the Old Testament. Amen. Let me say this loud and clear. I'm not going to holler it. But the Bible has never failed. It has never fallen short. It has never made it, hasn't made a mistake. The Bible is the truth, regardless of what you believe, what I believe, what anybody says. And it's interesting because, because there's all kinds of opinions out there. We read stuff. We read little quips. We read little quotes. We read things people post it on social media. That sounds good. But it doesn't matter what I think, what you think, what anybody says out there, what anybody puts on Facebook or anything else. What matters is this word. I'm not saying that everything people post is not true. There is, there is some truth out there. But that's not our standard for truth. It is the, the unaltered, the permanent, the universal word of God. And so that's why there's warnings in this book. Can, let, me just, let me just interrupt myself. We need a high view of Scripture. A high view of the Scripture. In fact, the psalmist said that he has exalted his word above his name. And so... There are warnings in this book. It says, don't add to it. it. says, don't take away from this book. Proverbs 30 and verse 5 says, every word of God is pure. Every word of God is pure. In fact, the sixth verse, the next verse says, add thou not unto his words. So there is truth. And I'm talking about levels of truth. There's truth about God. There's truth about humanity. There's truth about sin. There's truth about morality. There's truth about eternity. There's truth about salvation. There's truth about heaven. There's truth about God. About every there's truth and and it is our desire, it is our objective to go after that truth. There's truth about all of those things and none of it is contingent upon what anybody else thinks or what anybody else says or what anybody believes. It's just the truth. So here's the deal. When it comes to interacting with the truth, because we're going we're gonna to interact with truth, we're going to be faced with truth, we need to understand here tonight that, that we move through levels. There are levels of truth. And the first level of truth is, is a knowledge. It's a knowledge of truth. It's when we get exposed to truth. It's whenever something is, is brought to our attention. Truth, you know, or knowledge by definition. Knowledge is, is, is a fact. Knowledge is an awareness of something. Something we study, we investigate. We get a knowledge of something. Have you ever been in a conversation with somebody and something comes up and nobody knows the answer to it or who did it or when it happened and they say, well, somebody will say, well, just Google it. Just Google it. Look it up on Google. And instant, at our fingertips, we Google something, and we think we have knowledge. <laughs> um, knowledge. It's, it's when we become familiar with something. We, we're aware of something. It's, it's the knowledge of truth. When we're exposed to it, the writer of Proverbs said it this way, the very first chapter, and beginning at the first verse of the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 1 and 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding. 
to receive the instruction of wisdom, justice, judgment, equity, to, the, to give subtly to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. Notice this, a wise man will hear and will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The idea here in the book of Proverbs is to go after knowledge. Get exposed to it. The knowledge of God, knowledge of sin, knowledge of humanity, knowledge of salvation, knowledge of heaven, eternity. It's to go after knowledge. A wise man will hear he will increase learning. A man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. And so we want to go after wisdom. We want to go after knowledge. That's the starting point. As I've been reading through the book of Proverbs, I've come across a verse that says, the beginning of knowledge. In fact, it's verse number 7 of that first chapter. The beginning of knowledge. I read yesterday about the beginning of wisdom. It's a starting point. So I hope this is making sense. It's we go after knowledge. It's the first level is that we get exposed to what the truth is. We learn about and I want you to turn over to the New Testament now. First Timothy chapter two. And verse number one. First Timothy chapter two and verse number one. So Paul writes to Timothy, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men. He said pray for everybody, everybody, kings, for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Now notice this verse 4 now. Who will have all men to be saved to come unto the knowledge of the truth. Why is that important? Why do we need to pray for everybody? Because we want everybody to be saved. We want to preach the gospel to every creature. That's why we do what we do. That's why we're a, we're a part of the church, so we can reach the world, do the best we can to teach, to go into all nations and baptize people. And so we, we preach and we teach so that, and we pray so that people would come unto the knowledge of the truth. Because salvation begins with a knowledge of the truth. People don't know what they don't know. Until people know that they're a sinner, until people know they need to be saved, they're not going to act. They're not going to repent. If, until people know they need the gift of the Holy Ghost, they're not going to ask God for the gift of the Holy Ghost. But thank God for truth. Thank God somebody preached Acts 2.38 to us. Thank God somebody preached the new birth to us. Thank God somebody preached one God and holiness to us. Thank God there's been teachers in our lives. Because we did not know what we did not know, but one day we heard the message, you need to repent. And if you've never repented, if you're listening online, you've never repented, it's time to repent of your sins. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, not baptized in Father, Son, Holy Ghost, but baptized in the name of the one who is our Savior. It's in the name of Jesus. If we've never been baptized, thank God somebody preached that to us. And we were baptized in Jesus' name. We were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells a story in Acts chapter 8 about a, an Ethiopian. And he's sitting one day in Gaza. And he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And the Lord sends a man named Philip to Gaza. 
And Philip walks up and he sees the Ethiopian and he's reading from Isaiah's writings. And he's reading about the lamb that was led to the slaughter. And he's reading this. And, and Philip walks up to the Ethiopian and he said, Do you understand what you're reading? And the Ethiopian said, How can I except some man guide me? I need somebody to show me. And Philip began to preach unto him, teach him about Jesus. That knowledge. He said, that lamb that you're reading about, that's Jesus Christ. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. He's the lamb of God. He's the Passover lamb. He explains all this to him. He preaches to him, Jesus. Knowledge came. And what happened when knowledge came? They got in the chariot. They started going down the road. And the Ethiopians said, wait, there's water. I need to be baptized. What's hindering me from being baptized? And they stopped the chariots, and they went down into the water. You read it, Acts chapter 8. Went down into the water, and he was baptized in Jesus' name, and, in Jesus' name, and Philip was carried away. That started with knowledge. Knowledge. The Bible talks about people who are ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. But thank God for knowledge of the truth. And so Colossians chapter 1, if Michael, if you could put Colossians 1, 9 back up there, it'll save us a moment here. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9, we read it at the beginning. And so Paul, he writes this verse, and I want you to notice this with me. He said, the last half of the verse, he said, that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. That you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. What's his will? His will is his word. The will of God is God's word. And so we want to be filled with his will, filled with the word of God. How do I know what's right? How do I know what's wrong? The Bible tells me so. How do I know how to be saved? Well, some preacher told me. No, no, it's not because some preacher told you how to be saved. It's because it's in the word of God. Praise the Lord. Unfortunately, there are false prophets. Unfortunately, there are false teachers. Unfortunately, there are people who don't teach the whole counsel of God. There are people that are out there that will tell you, well, just come and say this little simple little prayer and you're on your way to heaven. The Bible never says all you have to do is say a simple little prayer and you're on the way to heaven. It says if you want to go to heaven, you need to repent of your sins. Except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said this. He said, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved so we're saved by repentance by baptism by the gift of the holy ghost amen and so truth is exciting truth shows us how to be saved truth tells us what we need to know to be filled with the will romans chapter 7 verse number 7 the apostle paul wrote this this is still the first level here this is the knowledge of truth Romans chapter 7, verse 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. Nay, I had not known sin, but by the law. I had not known sin, but by the law. I had not known lust, except the law said, Thou shalt not covet. It is the word that gives us knowledge. But do you know that there are a lot of people... In fact, there's probably a lot of people you know, people that don't go to this church, people that don't, probably don't even go to any church. They know Acts 2.38. They have a knowledge of truth. There are a lot of people. They know John 3.5. They know except a man be born again of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of, of God. There are a lot of people that know truth. They have a knowledge of truth. But we need more than a knowledge of truth. Amen? 
This, this is the next level. This is where we step into the next level. And the next level is when we are convicted, or it's conviction. We have, we have a conviction of truth. Conviction is greater than just having a knowledge. Because conviction leads us to change. Amen. There are people that have heard me preach and heard you teach Bible studies. There are people that have heard online messages for who knows how long. They've been, you know, all through the pandemic, they've been watching online church. They've heard messages from all kinds of apostolic churches. And they, they know what an apostolic teaches, what an apostolic church teaches. But they have yet to feel the conviction to change. They know they need to repent. or They, they know what the Bible says about repentance. But they have not become convinced or convicted about it. It's like on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. When the Holy Ghost, is, many of you know the story of Acts chapter 2. The Holy Ghost is poured out in Jerusalem. The gift of the Holy Ghost. People are speaking in tongues. Because that's what people do when they receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. They speak in tongues. It's the outward manifestation. It's the evidence of the Holy Ghost. People were speaking in tongues, 120 plus people in the streets of Jerusalem, right outside that upper room. And the people are the city, they're gathered there for that holiday, they're going, these people are drunk. What does this mean? Are they drunk? And Peter said, wait, these are not drunk like you think they are. This is what Joel prophesied about. The last day saith God, I'm going to pour out my spirit upon all flesh. He said, this is the Holy Ghost. And so Peter begins to preach to them. Now just picture, Peter is standing there with the, the ten other apostles, maybe eleven if you count Matthias, the eleven, and he's preaching to all these Jews that had gathered in Jerusalem for this holiday. And he begins to tell them about Jesus Christ. He said, you remember Jesus Christ? He was the Prince of Life, and you crucified him. He died, rose again the third day. And then he gets to the conclusion of his message in Acts chapter 2. And Peter looks at him, and he said, God hath made this same Jesus, both Lord and Christ. And they said, you mean, you mean the one we crucified? He is God, he's the Lord, and he's, Christ, he's the Messiah, and we crucified him? And the Bible says in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, when they heard this, you know the verse, when they heard this, they were, they were what? They were pricked in their hearts. And said, men and brethren, what must we do? So the, the knowledge came. They heard the message when they, when they realized, hey, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. Jesus Christ is the Savior. We killed the Prince of Life. Conviction. The Lord convicted their hearts. And they said, men and brethren, what must we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Promises unto you and your children, all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Praise the Lord. Many of them believed. Many of them were baptized. In fact, it says 3,000 of them were baptized. But it starts with conviction. Or it, it continues with conviction. It starts with knowledge. But then there's conviction. That's why people can come to church. They can come to service after service after service. You can tell them at work. You can tell them in your house. You can tell them, hey, why don't you get baptized? You need to get baptized. I, I see it. But until the Lord touches their heart, till the Spirit of the Lord digs in there and says, it's time, you need to be baptized. And they feel that, then they become convicted of truth. It's, 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 like, 
It's like a little child. You take, you tell a little child. Now, now, Junior, don't go here. Don't touch this. You need to do this. You need to treat your sibling nice. You can tell a little boy or a little girl. You can tell them the way they need to live or the, you tell them what you expect of them. And they think, okay, mom doesn't want me to touch the stove. Dad doesn't want me to play out in the street. But until little Johnny or little Susie is convinced, wobbly-headed little kids, until they are convinced, and sometimes it's discipline, before they get convicted, oh, wait a minute, I'm not supposed to touch that hot stove. It's the same with truth. People hear truth. People hear what God expects of them. People are, people are hearing the Bible. They're hearing truth. People come to church here every Wednesday night, and they're hearing Bible studies. They're hearing truth. People come to church here on Sunday morning, and they're hearing the word of the Lord, and they're, they're, they're being exposed to knowledge. Touches their heart. And you can sometimes I can see it on their faces. Sometimes it's a tear. And they say, I gotta get to an altar. I gotta pray. Other people just sit back. Hold on to the chair in front of them. They've, They've been exposed, but it's not until they are convicted. Then they know they need to change. Then they I listened to Brother Jackson, Victor Jackson's part of his testimony the other day. Um, it was on a podcast. Brother Adam Shaw, who preached at the youth camp, has a podcast called The Restorationist. If you like podcasts, it's a great, it's a great podcast. But he, he, he interviewed Brother Jackson. Of course, Brother Jackson preached at the um, NAYC the other night. But Brother Jackson was talking about his conversion when he came into the church. And, of course, he, he came into the church as a young adult. He was in college, he was playing ball, playing basketball, and he came into the church, and um, God saved him, and so he started teaching Bible studies, and he's telling this whole story, you can listen to it, he, he starts teaching these Bible studies, and he said 10, 15 college guys and people, would he would be teaching these Bible studies, and he said, at the first, he said, I had all these handouts, and I would hand all these papers out, and, and then I would teach from those handouts, and just go through and try to just read these notes. And he said, as I went along and was teaching all these Bible studies, I got to where I didn't need the notes as much. And, and just they had their handouts. And he said, the further along we got, it just, we didn't even use handouts. I just stood there and we taught these Bible studies. He's telling the story. He said, but something happened during that time. He said, the Lord convicted me. The Lord convicted me of, of playing ball. So he's playing college basketball. But what's happening is as the word is being put into his heart, this is the way it happens. As the word of God begins to fill his life, the Lord begins to direct him. And he was convicted. And he said he, said he began to realize the Lord began to speak to him. He said, I can't play ball and, and be a Christian. I cannot play college ball. I cannot dress like that and be a child of God. I have to make a choice. He said, I can't be modest. And be a child of God. So I have to give something up. And so because of that conviction, he listened to the Lord. He gave it up. Praise the Lord. And so the Lord, conviction is good. Conviction is good. 
Condemnation is not good, but conviction is good. The Lord has not come to condemn people, but he comes to save people. And the only way people are going to be saved is when they recognize their need to be to change. If people never see their need to be a ch- to change their life, they're just going to continue to float on. They may, they, they may know just as much Bible as anybody else, but until they are convicted of it or convinced of it, they're not going to change. Praise the Lord. So God, give us convictions. You ought to pray that. You know that? You ought to pray that. God, give me convictions so I can grow. Lord, I don't want to just listen to preaching and teaching, and I don't want to just read my Bible, but Lord, make this book come alive to me. Make it have application in my life. Make it real to me, Lord. I don't want to be a surface Christian. No way. I don't want to be just this phony, float-along kind of Christian and try to please people. But God, I want your word to be real. I want to be filled with the knowledge of your will. In fact, he said in Colossians 1.9, you forgive me if I get too stirred up here, but he said Colossians 1.9, that we, look at this verse, it's there on the screen. He said that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom. What's wisdom? Wisdom is the application of knowledge. It's when knowledge becomes real. It's when the Lord says, this is right, this is wrong. Go this direction, don't go that direction. Because all of the knowledge in the world won't change us until we begin to apply it to our lives. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I love the Word of God. In fact, that's my third point here. My third thing here is that we not only need to be convinced or convicted of the Word of the Lord, We need to have a love for the word of the Lord, an affection for God's word. Throughout scripture, in the Bible, we see people who truly love the word of the Lord. Psalms 19, when David wrote Psalms 19, he begins to describe the attributes and the characteristics of the word of the Lord. He said, the the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. You remember those past those verses in, in Psalms 19? And you need, then you get down to Psalms 19, verse 10. Listen to this. He said, This is about this was David's affection for the word of the Lord. More to be desired are they than gold. Yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Lord, your book, your word. Oh, Lord, I love your word. That's what David was saying. More to be desired. I, I, wanna, I want your word more than I want another paycheck. More than I want another dollar in my pocket. More than I want cheesecake. Sweeter also than honey, than the honeycomb. God, I want your word more than the... I'm talking about having an affection for the word of the Lord. Because here's what happens. People hear truth. People get convicted of truth. In fact, people will come and repent. They'll get baptized. People will get the Holy Ghost. But if they don't ever get a love for the truth, it won't be long, and they'll walk right out the door. They'll abandon the truth. If you don't ever get a, a passion, if you never get a love for the Word, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful, but his delight. I'm glad you said that because I... I lost my word for a minute. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. 
you go through the Psalms 119, that will be your homework. Because we, we don't have time tonight to go through all those verses. 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12. There's about 15 or 18 verses in Psalms 119 where the psalmist said, I delight in your commandments. Oh, how I love thy law as my meditation day and night. I delight in thy testimonies, Lord, over and over. Oh, how I love thy precepts, thy law do I love, over and over and over. And so what I say, God, give us a love for your word. Give us a love for your word. I was holding Jeremiah, not Jeremiah, Lucas Jones the other day. And I was was holding him. My wife was right there. And she made a comment to Brenna or Logan or somebody. It was something like, he's changing all the time. Just holding that little boy. He's two months old. He's changing all the time. You know why he's changing all the time? Because he's got an appetite for the milk. He's getting nourishment and strength. and He's drinking that milk and as a newborn babe. 1 Peter 2.2, as newborn babes, desire. Desire the sincere milk of the word that you might grow thereby. Oh, well, me and Jesus, we've got this thing going on. If you've got a thing going on with Jesus, then you've got a thing going on with his word. I love Jesus, then you love his word. This is what he said. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. See, you can't separate Jesus from his word. You can't come to church and raise your hands and say, oh, I love Jesus, but never have no regard for this book. That's the truth right there. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. 1 John 5 and 2. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not grievous. Isn't that something? His commandments are not grievous. Oh, it's Bible study. It's it's Sunday school class. I don't know. His commandments are not. Oh, how I love thy law. God, feed me. Give me an appetite, Lord, for your word. Give me an appetite for the things of God. That's another thing you ought to pray. God, give me an appetite for the things of God. Don't just get a knowledge of truth. Love the truth. You say, why why do I need to love the truth, Pastor? Because a person that never falls in love with the truth, they're going to abandon it. Sometimes, you know, we, 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 and I don't want you to think of anybody, but sometimes we see people and they backslide. And we're going, why? Why are you living that way? How could you make those choices? Did, didn't, weren't you, didn't you pray? Didn't you get the Holy Ghost? How, why are you living that way? I'll tell you why they're living that way. It's because they never fell in love with the Lord Jesus Christ or His Word. They came to church. They were moved. A genuine move of God. They felt the touch of the Spirit of the Lord. The Lord was drawn on their hearts. They were convicted. But you know what? They loved the world. 
John said, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, listen to this. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. All that's in the world, lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life. It's not of the Father, it's of the world. The world passeth away, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Fall in love. Fall in love with Jesus Christ. Fall in love with his word. Buy the truth and sell it not. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, I'm wrapping up here. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse number 10. 10 and 11. This is, this is, some, this is some sobering verses right here. With all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish... Because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. For this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Wow. God, help me love your word more than I love the things of life. God, help me love your word more than I love money. God, help me love your word more than I love comfort. More than I love convenience. God, put a desire, put a passion in my heart for your word because I need to be saved. I need to be saved. And I'm not going to be saved if, if, I don't know the, if I don't know how to be saved. And I don't follow it. And I don't fall in love with it. Praise the Lord. God help us today. Stand with me, please. Hallelujah. You get time, go back to...